And welcome to another edition of the Nerdy Agent Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Pedersen, with my brothers and fellow nerds, Josh and AJ. Today, after the long Memorial Day weekend, we are going to do a refresher about the affordability index and also how it may or may not correlate to new loan applications. But first, the would you rather of the week, which I would say is kind of a stretch, would you rather? It's not not much of a question. Would you rather have a personal bowling alley or a movie theater in your house? Movie theater. No question. Movie theater. I'd probably pick movie theater. <laughs> I was going to try to stretch, but, like, but bowling's fun. I mean, it would be kind of sweet to have a bowling alley. You know what? I think um, the question would be movie theater or sport court, but I think that... To relate, but to relate this to uh, sports, like we always like to, did you know Mookie Betts is like a professional bowler? Yes, I did know that. I did that. know that, yeah. Bowls like 300s. He, uh, no, he actually like legitimately... He bowls in the 300s? Has bowled No, he per- bowls like 300s. <laughs> he has bowled in a professional bowling competition. Yeah, he's unbelievable. He was like all state at like three different things in high school that were all... Totally and then remember when he had a kid and then he came back and played shortstop? Yes, that was pretty cool. Same too. day, same day. Anyway, so this, we, we, yeah, we. I'm like googling Mookie Betts now, and everyone on the podcast listening is like, I don't even know who that Mookie is. Mookie Betts. Um. Anyways, big time ahead. bowler. Let's get into what matters here. If you Let's don't know who he is, he's a professional <laughs> baseball player and a very, very good one at that. Very good. Um, moving on to the affordability index. So, so just just to start, and I know we've chatted about this. If you wanted to learn more about it, more in depth, um, you can go back to our last podcast about it. But just to start, explain what the affordability index is. It basically just tracks what the median homeowner or potential homeowner, uh, median earner, if you will, can afford of the median home. So in Minnesota, we've seen this number usually in like the 150s which or better, which would mean that if you made the median amount of money in the Twin Cities, you could afford 150% of the median priced house. It's been dropping recently, which obviously we'll get into. We'll get into, yep. Um, and that's at the prevailing interest rate of the market too, by the way. So that's what we're kind it of It makes a big difference. It. It's the monthly payment that they're looking at for that because yep. of the interest rates. So the interest rate will move it pretty drastically. And again, like you had kind of touched on, that's an index. So 100 would be the median area income can afford the median area price. Anything above 100, they can afford more than that price. Anything below, they can afford less than the median area And price. I believe that's at max DTI, so it's probably 43% DTI. Yeah. Um, and what do we mean by new loan applications? So they understand. So they track, and this is also indexed, but uh, essentially the Mortgage Broker Association is tracking how many applications are put in to get approved to buy a house or get a mortgage on an ongoing basis. So they report numbers out weekly. And then over time, that's being indexed against a period starting in 1990. Um, that's kind of like day one. But they'll compare and contrast how many applications we're seeing come in at any given time against that same date. And then they're graphing that over time as well. So it, it gives us a good perspective on whether or not there is additional uh, buyer demand coming to the marketplace because people are putting in applications. That typically means they're going to become a real buyer. Uh, or not compared to other periods in time. And the big reason I want to chat about these two specifically, and we haven't really talked about the mortgage applications, I don't think, yet on previous podcasts, unless I'm wrong. We have done a lot of podcasts. Yeah, we might have done that. We might have done that one. one. We might have done a brief one. Um, the reason I want to talk about this is because we've talked about the affordability index. It, it was really prevalent for a while. It's not really talked about as much as it was a few months ago, I would say. Um, but I wanted to see, is there correlation based on where affordability is going and where the buyers are? So the last time we chatted about the affordability index, and and now, where was it? Where is it now? 
just so people know. Yeah, so affordability index, um, well, the last time we chatted about it, it was really dropping fast. So we made it a big hot button for us. So the team, uh, what was that, probably three or six months ago, because the reality was is our affordability index, I mean, if you look nationally, it was 169.9 in 2020. It dropped to 148.2 in 2021 because prices kept skyrocketing, but interest rates stayed low. And then when interest rates went nuts, right? So the average mortgage rate in 2020 was 3.17. In 2021, it was 3.01, but the single pricing, median priced existing single family home rose from 300,000 to 357. So like almost what, 15%, uh, almost 20%. And then in 2022, the pricing kept going up, but then the rates also went up and they hit about 5.4. So that crushed the affordability index, dropped it down to 103.8. So when we were looking at it locally, we were saying, there's some pretty big concerns and because we, we were seeing a similar pattern. Our numbers are higher in Minnesota than this. Uh, we went from 170 to 148 to 103. Um, or sorry, we went from 177 to 146 to 128. Uh, but we've seen these same kind of drops happening within our local market. And we were saying at some point this has got to give. Like if affordability continues to drop, at some point the pricing can't rise the way it's going to unless the interest rates subside, which will get the affordability index back into a normal place. Um, but because of the just lack of inventory in the marketplace, we have continued to see affordability index be challenged in the Minnesota market and, and nationally as well, uh, largely due to that inventory issue. But we've also seen uh, wages start to rise post-COVID to kind of combat the inflation that's happened nationwide. Super in interesting looking at this chart because the chart we have on here is for the is for national affordability index. Comparing that to the Minnesota index and um, what we know about where Minnesota's been versus the rest of the country. So for, for the people who you guys can't see this, starting in, it was June of 2022, from a median price existing single family home standpoint, prices start to decrease. Nationally. Nationally. Yes. And the affordability index at the same time got under 100. So like it went under 100, then prices started to decrease, and then it went back over 100 and prices started to increase again. Um, in Minnesota, we haven't really seen the decrease portion of that from, from what I've seen so far. And it's interesting to note that we haven't went under 100 in the affordability Short, index. short windows we have for like a Small month, amount, yeah. but it's been back up. And I think because the incomes have come back up, you're not going to, it seems like affordability becomes a challenge when you start to get under 100. Mm -hmm. Although if you look at this graph, like in the, in the West Coast, your average sell price is 575. So way higher than the market, which is around 380 right now. But your affordability index in the West Coast is 71. Wow. And so at some point... It's all, but it's always been low there. It looks that's what I'm like saying. Too. So like, I mean, it, it's interesting to learn this because I always kind of thought if affordability index gets under 100, you start to see just too much compression in terms of affordability. Mm -hmm. And people are like, forget it. I'm just going to rent or forget it. I'm getting out of the market. Uh, but there's been enough squeeze in certain parts of the country that it's, um, I don't know, it's really interesting to see what that looks like. Well, and I think when you look at the affordability index on a month-to-month -month basis, it does get kind of screwy, too, because like Luke was saying, you're comparing June of last year nationally. Prices have dropped $41,000 from June to March. But if you look at March to March, they only really dropped $5,000. And that same phenomenon happens in Minnesota. Um, I'm looking at InfoSparks right now. January every single year is the bottom of the median sales price market. So if you look at a monthly basis, sales prices are always lower throughout the winter. They always bottom out in January, and then they always come back, um, and they kind of 
kind of spike, if you will, at the top, June, July, which is everything that's going under contract today. Remember when I did an analysis on that? Because we had the question of, is that because pricing literally drops in the winter or is it because of the types of houses that are sold in the winter versus the summer? And we learned that it's actually more so the bucketing of which properties come online by time of year. Mm -hmm. So higher priced homes tend to go online in the in the spring, summer, at least in Minnesota, whereas the lower priced homes tend to go online in the winter. So it's not like you're losing money if you buy in Dece June and sell in December, but it's just more of a mixed thing than anything, which I thought That's, was really interesting. Yeah, it's always funny when people talk about that kind of stuff because it's such a micro versus macro type conversation when you're like, well, prices actually went down from June to January, so you lost money on your house. And it's like, well, that's not really what happened. If you sold in January, yes, and you bought in June. Not necessarily. No, because it's, it's not... It's micro. No, what I'm saying is if, if you... Theoretically, if you're correct on that spread, if you bought June of 2022 and then sold January of 2023, theoretically your house price should have decreased. Not necessarily. At a macro level, the market price sure, decreased. It should have. But within the bands, yeah. they didn't decrease. So That's you actually fair. saw, like within the 500 to 750 range, the prices stayed relatively similar June to January. It's just there were more houses in a lower price range that came online that swing the price. Sure. What I'm saying is yeah. if you bought sure. the entire market, then yes, you would have lost sure. money. But on one house, it's not very likely. But if you sold the entire market too, you probably wouldn't have lost money. Yeah, right. It's interesting. I right. don't know. Sorry to digress. Um, but in general, yeah, it's uh, it's really interesting to see how affordability. Well, and the and, and the Midwest is still significantly stronger than every other marketplace. That's what this shows. Yeah. In terms of affordability, yeah. yeah. Which it, and I think it's important for you to realize wherever you are in the country that as you think about where pricing is going to continue to go, because everyone nationally has these opinions on pricing being too hot right now. Affordability is one of the biggest ways in which you can determine if there's still room for runway. So if the rest of the country is at a, a 100 and your market's at a 128, that means there's enough money in your market to continue to push prices upwards. But if your market's at an 80, that means you're probably going to struggle. I mean, you're probably in a really supply-constrained market if your market's that low. But that means you are kind of in a market where, from, a, from an affordability standpoint, there's more of a tipping point in terms of where things can go. For sure. So let's take a look at uh, the new loan app applications over the same time frame and how that compares. Great. What do you got? Um, I mean, we were just talking about how in 2005 and 2006, how far up the applications went because there was no rules. So anybody could apply for a loan and get approved. So the purchase index, this is just on purchases, not refinances. Um, in 1990 was right around 100, which kind of sets the index at its point, right? So at the peak in 2005, six, it went over 500. So there's five times more loans around that time period than there was in 1990, which is really crazy. Um, and you can kind of see as the recession worked its way through the economy, that number went all the way down under 200. And then it's been steadily rising, um, albeit a, a brief blip in March of 2020, then it bounced back up. Uh, it peaked around 350, so three and a half times 1990. Um, and as you've said, as the rates went up and made affordability more of a squeeze, that number has dipped down into like the 180, 170, 180 range, even got as low as 150 recently. Um, so you're seeing these applications drop pretty significantly. And do you think that there, there's a correlation between the affordability index and where the applications are at? Or is it like a inverse so the more loan applications we see the higher the price are going to rise the lower the affordability index is going to go i think the one constraint that we're not talking about here is the amount of homes coming onto the market so um you know demand is really purchase mortgage applications tell you exactly how much demand, demand. there is in the marketplace right yep. so we're at about half the demand we had in the 
heat of 2020 and 2021, but we also have probably less than half of the actual number of listings coming onto the marketplace. So that's why agents are out there going, what the heck's going on? It's getting really difficult to get my offers accepted, even though the rates are super high and there's way less people out looking, obviously. But you decrease the supply by half and the demand by half, and you kind of end up with the exact same marketplace. And purchase mortgage applications in a market where we're supply constrained uh, will have a, be a longer leading indicator, meaning that someone may have applied for a purchase mortgage two years ago and then not one and not one. And so that application, you know, you probably have to reapply and I don't know how that gets back, put back in here again. But, um, you know, the longer the period it takes for someone to get a house, the more constrained the buyer market is going to continue or the more people are going to continue to be on the buyer market, despite the fact that the application numbers are going down. I would, I would argue that the buyers are probably more serious when applying right now too, because they know the rate is 7%. Yep. And if they, you know, applied back in 2020 because the rates were at two and a half and their parents told them it'd be a good time to buy a house. They may not have actually gone through with it. Yep. Um, so I think we're seeing a lot of people, if they're getting pre-approved today, they kind of know what's going on and they're, they're pretty serious about actually purchasing a property. Yeah. So they so to your question, Luke, they kind of do correlate. I mean, I didn't actually run an R squared or graph them together or anything like that, but you have seen that as affordability has gone down since what 2020 2021 etc because the applications went up so fast so if you probably push the applications out into the future that means more people are on the market which means affordability is going down so now as affordability has gone down even further there's now this inverse uh effect of fewer people are applying for loans because they just don't see those affordable so they kind of work together in an ongoing cycle um but i think both are really important to track because you're just going to see impacts to both the buyer pool as well as uh, the pricing of the marketplace. But to AJ's point, there's there's components out in here that are involved in the full equation that aren't really factored in if you just look at just these two things. Um, I point out alternatives as well. So think about a lot of the people that are applying for mortgages are first-time home buyers. And those first-time home buyers, their alternative, like we talked about on our business tip last week, is renting. So even though affordability is bad, it still may be a better solution for them than renting a house. And they may also look at it and say like, well, there's no inventory and the market keeps going up. So I might as well get on this horse at some point uh, versus just continuing to sit on the sidelines. And I think that's kind of continuing to push the market forward at this point. Well, and, and you think you've seen two across our market. I mean, it'd be interesting if you zoomed in on this uh, purchase application index graph just to see what's going on right now. But I think it's kind of hit a bottom it sort of seems like and it's leveling off in the last six to eight months at this 180 to 190 kind of range in this index so you know while rates have gone up they've they've gone up a little bit more recently but we've seen them kind of level off at that six and a half to low sevens point and so the market's reacting and saying here's where we're comfortable applying for mortgages at that rate right and if they drop you're going to see it go up if they continue to rise, you could see it go down some, but if they're, what we're seeing is like status quo, if the rates just kind of stay the same, you're probably going to see the index move pretty flat in, in the near future. Yep. Until we hit, until we hit January of 2024, when everybody decides they need to buy a house again. If the rates go down, that's going to be and especially if the rates go down. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, all right, let's get into the script of the week. So you're out on the boat Memorial Day weekend. How do we own a... We're rich enough to own a boat? We own boats. AJ owns boats, actually. Oh, yeah, he does have a boat. Two boats. boats. So you're actually boat. on... We're all sitting on AJ's fishing boat. You're on both boats at the same time. They're connected somehow. You're driving together. And your friend mentions 
how high the prices are, then they say, how is anybody even affording a house? The prices have went up so fast. They're so expensive. How can you use these data points to look like the expert in this situation? I'll say I'll answer that question, but after I answer it, you have to tell me how you're catching fish because I'm having a very <laughs> hard time with that. Um, Still love it though, right? Oh, it's so fun. Um, this weekend we had, so we went out and there was one time, not to get, not to get off script here, uh, we were fishing and I've never caught anything. And yeah. I've never seen AJ catch anything. And he got a bite from a bass and it just went flopping out of the water so fast and then so it, he lost it. But it was oh. insane. It was so Look, exciting. you should have said not to get in the weeds, but we were throwing <laughs> into the weeds. We were throwing into the weeds. We were hitting the boat docks. We were hitting everything. As you my don't friend Anthony hit. loves to say, we were chucking docks. Yeah, we were. Chucking docks. Um, right, script of the week. Yeah, so, I mean, I would say... Uh, the affordability has gone down, right? Like we saw the index, which is the median earner, how much of the median home they can afford. It was as high as like the high 170s, which means they can almost afford two of the median priced homes. And it's since dropped here in the Twin Cities to I think you guys said 128, 130, kind of somewhere in there. It, it's, it is more unaffordable to own a home than it was in the past. But that being said, the median earner here in Minnesota can still earn, can still own or qualify for, assuming debts are in line, 130% of the median priced home. So that's why our market is kind of still kicking along. Now, if you look out in other places like the West Coast, California specifically, this number has been in the 70s for years now, mm -hmm. right? Um, that being said, here in Minnesota, we do a lot of mortgages. So the affordability index does definitely matter. But um, again, if you're saying the question is, how does anyone affording a house? I would say they're still affording 130-ish percent of the median priced home. So it's still available and out there even at these higher six and seven percent interest rates. Yeah, I'd say the prop the problem we're running into in our market is yes, houses are less affordable than they've been in the past. So from a perspective standpoint, it seems really, really bad right now to even consider buying a home. The flip side of that is the people who are buying homes have certain circumstances which are forcing them to be into the market. And there's enough of them that are either a lot of first time home buyers or people that have to move up for you know, family reasons or whatever it might be, or people moving in from out of state that are going to be buying houses in our market, there's enough buyers right now and the continued constraints that we're seeing on the supply side and we're seeing in terms of rental prices are f resulting in people looking at this and saying, yeah, it's not great, but it's better than my alternatives. So it's not an ideal solution or situation for anyone, but every behavior we exhibit as people is us looking at all of our alternatives and saying which one is the best for us. And even in our current state, there is a lot of, there are a lot of people who are looking at this market and saying, well, you know, I'm going to pay a little bit more of my interest rate than I used to. And I'm going to pay a little bit more of my monthly payment than I want to, but it's still my best outcome. So I'm going to get involved in this. Especially when people move from out of state, you mentioned out of state buyers. I've had a few and they come here and they're like, you can get this big of a house. For and your taxes are grand? what? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah it's, it's a lot uh, more affordable. It's, it's pretty wild. And that's all we have this week for the Nerdy Agent Podcast. As always, remember, be better. Bye-bye.